the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, April the 28th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1788, Maryland became the seventh state to ratify the Constitution of the United States. Today in 1945, Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and his mistress, Clara Potassi, they were executed by Italian partisans as they attempted to flee the country. They did not want to live in the mess they had created. That's often true with political leaders, isn't it? Today, in 1952, war with Japan officially ended. A treaty was signed in San Francisco the year before. It took effect at this time, 1952. And General Dwight D. Eisenhower resigned as Supreme Allied Commander in Europe. As we all know, he would later become President of the United States. Today, in 1967... Heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali, he was stripped of his title after he refused to be inducted into the armed forces of the United States. Today in 1986, the Soviet Union informed the world of the nuclear disaster at Chernobyl. Today in 2015, urging Americans to do some soul-searching, President Barack Obama expressed deep frustration over reoccurring black deaths at the hands of police, rioters who responded with senseless violence, and a society that would only fake concern without addressing the root causes. Five years ago today, President Donald Trump reaffirmed his support for gun rights at the National Rifle Association Convention in Atlanta. He said, quote, the eight-year assault on your Second Amendment freedoms has come to an end. Differing views, for sure, and the causes of the chaos in our culture. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, thy word, and nothing shall offend them. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 15, Verse 13, he said, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people today have a sense of hopelessness, and it is brought on by the chaos that most of us know about. We talk about often on this program. In fact, every day we talk about some of the chaos because people need to be informed, but be so looking through the lens of God's word. Peace does not come from everything getting fixed in the culture or by treaties being signed between countries formerly or currently at war. Peace comes from within, and peace comes only from God, true peace. That's why Jesus made it very clear that when he said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, Peace in the world is the absence of conflict at any given moment. But the peace of God 
surpasses all understanding, and God's peace comes to us when we turn our eyes on Jesus, the things of the world grow strangely dim, in the sense of we know what's going on, we're well informed, we must be, we must participate in the solutions, elections in particular, but we must not be overcome with fear and anxiety because of what's going on in the world. Because the peace of God is our gift. The peace of God dwells in our heart. So we look to him and we trust him. With that in mind, let me talk to you a few about a few things that's going on in our world today. It was disappointing to read this morning, and I'm not going to get into this except to mention it, but the U.S. economy unexpectedly, they're announcing this morning, contracted the first three months of this year, of 2022. The economy, of course, was battered by a number of things, but the Bureau of Economic Analysis said, uh, not the least of which is President Biden's policies, the Bureau of Economic Analysts, uh, Analysis said uh, this morning that the gross domestic product de- decreased at an annual rate of 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022. The best economist in the country, in our country, had expected the economy to grow 1.1%. So that's a big miss on their part in their forecasting. I also noticed this morning that China has instituted a new required class for all Chinese students. They've published, I'm not kidding, a little red book. To some of us who are over 40 and remember Mao Zedong, I do as well. I've mentioned it a number of times on this program, but as a youth pastor, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had under a tree somewhere in a park or on a sidewalk or in church about Mao Zedong's little book and all of his thoughts. Well, what is... Uh, what has been always comes around again in communism and perhaps other places as well. But China has printed, uh, printed a little red book. It's called Xi Jinping's Thoughts. And they're putting it in hospitals, hotels, everywhere. The book. It's kind of like the Gideon Bible here in America when we used to be able to put Bibles. The Gideons could put Bibles even in schools. Well, they're doing this in China, but it's not a Bible. It's the thoughts of the president of the Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party and the country, Xi Jinping, his thoughts. I can only imagine what his thoughts are, but they're going to be indoctrinated, forced indoctrination of the kids in China now going forward. And the kids are, some of them are excited about it. Some of them have reserve. There's a lot of, a lot of Christians in um, in China, I mean, there's, they, nobody knows for sure how many Christians there are there, but there are many. And I can tell you, they they're, the red flag is up in their homes, and they're talking to their kids about it. And that's why I want to talk to you a little bit about our own kids today in America and some of the things that George Barna has found in a survey. But as I read this about how China is enforcing this indoctrination, and that's what it is, on their kids— teaching them at an early age, following principles that are not communism. But the word of God tells us to teach our children when they're young, teach them the truth so that they will know the truth and to do so in some of the most informative years of their life. 
But before I get to that, in the light of what China is doing with this little red book now, and I'll probably talk more about that sooner than later. It, it, there's a lot there that we need to understand because it'll be hours, if not days, before that little red book is circulating here in the United States. Trust me, I've been through this cycle before, as I said, with Mao and all that stuff in the past. But it's interesting that with that in mind, what China is doing now to indoctrinate their kids our Department of Homeland Security announced this morning that it's setting up this disinformation governance board in an attempt to combat misinformation on the Internet. That's today. I mean, they've been working on it, but it's they put out a press release on it today. Homeland Security Secretary, this Alondro Mayorkas, he said that the just-established governance board um, and he mentioned it yesterday afternoon, actually. He And it was a press release this morning. He said it will help reduce domestic threats to the United States. The team will focus, according to Mayorkas, on irregular migration on Russia and it will on other irregularities in the flow of information in America. I know you're, you're already filling in the blanks. So am I. This Nina uh, Jankowitz, uh, she is, has been appointed to head this up, and um, she's going to direct the board of the thing, which puts her kind of in charge of it. But she put out a, a tweet this morning that says, the cat's out of the bag. Here's what I've been up to the last two months. And again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but th that raises the eyebrows of a lot of people, myself included, because... She she was one of the one of the people that came out forcefully and she's kind of recognized as somebody that looks into misinformation and she kind of knows a lot about misinformation, quote unquote, supposedly uh, on, among the left in the, that community of thought. But many of us know that it was her role in downplaying the information from Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020 that got Twitter and Facebook and all of these guys to completely freeze out that story and even challenge the New York Post to take down their story or else when they had done the work and they had done the research and they were correct. Now, two years later, kind of everybody knows about the laptop, but nobody's doing anything about it although it, it, it breaks the law in a, in a thousand ways, and it raises suspicions about the relationship that Hunter Biden's so-called business connections in China and Russia and elsewhere had with his father, Joe Biden, vice president, then president, now president of the United States. Well, she's the one that kind of spearheaded all that and kind of led the charge to get rid of that because she said, there were others, but she led the parade. She said it was Russian disinformation. Well, this lady now who had so much great insight two years ago and was dead wrong, she's now heading up the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board for the U.S. Now, that should really make us all feel safe. So we're only going to get the truth, nothing but the truth. So help them.
sort of. George Borna is a well-known researcher. He's tracked American beliefs for generations. If it were not he or someone like him saying this, I would have second thoughts. i got to be honest with you, and I question some of what he found here. I, not not him, but I just the. I guess I didn't want this to be true, to be honest with you. But he put out this <clears throat> new research paper, and that's what he does, and he has done this for years and years and years. You've heard the little uh, illustration, the frog in the kettle, you know, and he gets in the water, and they kind of turn it up, and it's warm, and he's sitting there, and and the burner is under the little pot in the kettle that he's in, and the frog gets real comfortable, and they keep turning up the heat, and the frog goes, man, this really feels good. You know, it's like a sauna or whatever. And finally, they turn it up so high that it it boils the frog, and he dies. Well, Barnett came up with that illustration, and it's been used, you know, a million times in speeches and one thing or another. Anyway, that's who George Barnett is. He's a devout Christian. He's a brilliant man. And that's what he's done his whole adult life. As far as I know, he's done research and surveys. So he came up with this and he put it out there. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what he found. In fact, he himself, he says his latest findings reflect a hard-hitting truth about hypocritical, clueless, culture-chasing Christian parents. Keep in mind, he's one of us. He's not the left. He's not trying to be critical. It probably pained him. To publish this, it pains me to read it. But I want to share some of what he found because we need to know this and not be thinking that it's otherwise. According to this study from the Cultural Research Center, 67% of adults with preteen children say they're Christians. That didn't surprise me. Once that term is defined, however, and he did in the survey, only one in 50 of that 67% hold an orthodox biblical belief about God. We're not talking about people in general. We're talking about self-identified Christians. Only one in 50 hold an orthodox belief about God, by the Bible, and truth. Marna says that he has found over the years, and other psychologists agree with him, that from diapers to 13 years old are the most informative or most formative years of a kid's life. I can attest to that, having Marjorie and I have three kids, now adults with their own kids. But I've, I think I've seen that not as a research guy or certainly not as a psychologist, but just working with people and working with kids for so long in ministry. That's true. I don't. I didn't know about the diapers. I didn't know how much they were influenced there. But boy, during those are formative years, and as they move into their teens, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, whatever. But what he puts out, Barna, is not intended to be a condemnation, but hopefully it will serve as a wake-up call to Christian parents and Christians of all ages. And you may say, well, my kids are raised. I'm like you, Gary. My kids are raised, and they have kids. We should know this, though regardless of what stage in life we are, because we have a sphere of influence, particularly in our own families. And if your kids are raised and they're great or whatever, they need to know this. For its study, the center broke parents of preteen children into two categories, parents of preteens and Christian parents of preteens. The pollsters interviewed, um, I think it was 600 adults in January and another about 1,000 in February. And then they put it all together and came out with this 
this report, this survey. But Barnett told the American Family Association uh, on the radio this week that a person's deeply personal beliefs begin developing when they're in the diapers and it's almost completely formed around age 13. He began his report using an analogy, and I want to share this with you because I it, it kind of says what he's trying to say in with the facts here. He used this analogy of building an airplane like the Boeing 737 MAX 8. That's the one they've had all the problems with. He said that was technically sophisticated, that particular plane by Boeing. He said, yet in its first flight, years, first several years of flight, there were numerous deadly crashes. Post-accident investigations revealed that the airplanes had provided multiple warning signals or malfunctions that could potentially result in a crash. However, even those warning signs were acknowledged and examined. The necessary changes were not made to, pre- to prevent additional tragedies on future flights. He says, quote, new research from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, that's the one he heads up. He said it indicates that parents of preteens under age 13 are in a state of spiritual distress or denial. Continuing, he says, well, the warning signs are identifiable and unmistakable. It appears the parents, as well as their support systems, churches, extended family, and parachurch ministries, are too distracted or disinterested to acknowledge and address the parenting crisis. It seems that a tragic crash is in, in store for American families who claim to be Christians. He talks a little bit about the crisis. He said parents to whom the Bible assigns the primary responsibility for shaping the worldview of their children are called to equip their young to grow up in a relationship with and service to God. I would add that it's interesting that China understands the importance of training up a child, not in the ways of God, but in their ways, the communist government. And yet we seem to be missing that. He said that requires an intentional and consistent development of a biblical worldview in the minds and hearts of children since every person's worldview begins developing before their second birthday. Yet he found that parents who claim to be Christian are themselves not devoted to a biblical worldview to pass on to their kids. His research shows that only 2% of parents of preteens, children in the worldview development window, have a biblical worldview themselves. He says, how is it that a nation that has prided itself in being a global center of Christianity now has drifted away from a biblical lifestyle and belief? He says, one reason is because of the emphasis of churches today. He said, more attention is paid to church attendance, participation, and the way churches are presented and presenting themselves. Then he said, in depth of learning God's word. He does not say this, but what I got from this is that churches today, and I, I don't mean this to be critical, but it's I'm deeply concerned because I care, and I know you do too. Churches today are more obsessed with the way they present themselves, and it's almost an event, a show, rather than a, a service. I mean, I, I know I sound like an old man, and I'm barely over, well, anyway, I don't want to sound like that, but we're not on the right track. There are churches that are exploding with thousands of people attending them, and they preach the Bible. But there are more churches today in Christianity in America 
who have just become, they become just hooked into this whole style and, and, you know, the way you look and the way you present and all of that, all of that has a place. But, man, Paul was one of the smartest, most intellectual guys of his time, the Apostle Paul. And he said so often in so many ways, it is the power of the gospel that changes the life and it changes the culture as well. It is not the presentation. It is the essence and the of the truth of God's work. There's been ample evidence of the nation's loss of Christian influence, but it's been ignored. Barnes says by church leadership because because he said other indicators like attendance and giving has fairly been fairly strong in evangelical churches. I I don't think that would be entirely true. I mean, although he he knows what he's doing. But I know there's been a dip in giving over the last couple of years because I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about it in ministry. But contemporary American Christianity is characterized, he says, by a word syncretism. And that's a word not that he didn't make up that word. It's used. But he calls it syncretism. And here's what that means. It's a worldview that merges otherwise incompatible philosophies of life into a made-to-order worldview that incorporates enough biblical elements to be minimally Christian in nature. In other words, we say, well, I mean, it's like, remember those old buffets we used to go to after church every Sunday? There's still some out there, but for the most part, they're not. But they were great. I mean, you could make Sunday dinner. It wasn't like we sat down and said, well, you know, Mom, what are we having for dinner? Man, you could go there and just, you know, eat up. I mean, you could spend the day. No, but you could pick and choose whatever you're going to have. It's a buffet. Smorgasbord is another word I haven't heard for a long time. It just came to mind. But there are people that are applying kind of that principle to Christianity. They'll say, okay, I am a Christian. Now, here's what I believe. And what they believe is more informed by the culture than it is by the Word of God. And that's what he's getting at here, because that's, I mean, bottom line, this is me, but I read it very carefully, his survey, all of it. And what he's, the survey is reflecting is what I'm saying and what we're talking about right now. It, people today feel so empowered, even to the point of knowing better than God what their Christianity should look like. And I think that's what's eroding the Christian consensus in America in the culture and certainly the Christian influence in the family. Our worldview is compromised and it's then created by a unified series of beliefs that determine our behavior. And the the determined beliefs often are not biblical, but they fit into the culture. I mean, fewer and fewer pastors want to stand up at a pulpit today and read Romans chapter 1 because they're going to get to the homosexual part, and that could get them in deep trouble. People who would leave the church and worse yet, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll be censored by our own government. I mean, that's an extreme case, but it's not isolated. We are picking and choosing from the Word of God. We're choosing what we want to represent the truth. And churches today have banners that are bigger than the cross on the building. Welcome. We believe. Black lives matter. Well, of course black lives matter. 
But the organization, the institution of Black Lives Matter, BLM, is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches a universal salvation and acceptance. Christ died for black lives and white lives and brown lives and yellow lives. I mean, but no, they, they, they begin to categorize the grace of God. Justification by God's Christ's death on the cross. I mean, it, it just goes on, and they take a systematic theology of the Bible, and they parse it into little pieces, and they put the pieces together, and it's like a puzzle, and the pieces don't fit, but they get them inside the boundary of who they want to be spiritually and who they think they want to be and who their church kind of reflects or at least doesn't speak to the issue. It's at least silence on certain issues that should be addressed. And that's what's happening in our country today. Barnes says in his um, research in this uh, thing, he said, heresy in Christianity is a hallmark. It's become the hallmark in contemporary Christianity in America. He said the prevailing worldview is becoming syncretism, the blending of elements from numerous unbiblical worldviews along with a few biblical views. And those few biblical views vary depending on where you live in the country and what your thoughts are and so on and so forth. But the survey found that 67% of parents of preteens who describe themselves as Christian hold conflicting views on biblical teaching. One of the foundational views of Christians is belief in the God of the Bible, an all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect, just creator of the universe who still rules the world today. And people who can call themselves Christian, they identify as Christian. Well, I don't really believe that. They don't believe it because we have been baptized in a in a tank of progressivism and relativism. Our kids go to school. They trot off to school with their little lunch bag or whatever, their, their ticket for lunch or whatever. And they come home and they you say, how was school today, Johnny or Susie or whatever? And they say, fine, you know. But they're getting from day one right through into their teens. They're getting indoctrinated, first and foremost, in relativism. If somebody says, well, I really believe that, that God loves people and, and that Christianity, that Jesus died on the cross. Well, there are many people, Johnny, that don't believe that. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes, there are many people that believe that Buddha came and enlightened or, you know, yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on. You get the point. And we have been immersed in that like his frog in the kettle that I mentioned that he came up with years ago. Another hallmark of being a Christian is accepting the Bible as a true and trustworthy word of God, the infallible truth of God. Yet only 50% of self-described Christian parents who have children between diaper and 13 years old said they actually believe that. Only one of in three Christian parents of preteens rely on the Bible as their primary source of moral guidance. Only 31% of Christians contacted who have preteen children told the survey that they believe life is sacred. i got to be honest with you. I wouldn't believe that if it weren't coming from Barna himself. He is the best. It's almost unbelievable. So what do we do? Well, history shows that every spiritual revival begins in the hearts of a few. Our prayer must be, let it begin in me, O Lord. We need to stand. We need to let our light shine before others 
so that they'll see the truth in our lives. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.